Hello everyone, it's Mark Goodacre here. Welcome to the MT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. It's episode 25, and I think it's high time that we took a look at Q. In the two most recent episodes of the NT Pod, I've been exploring what New Testament scholars call the synoptic problem, which is all about the similarities and differences between Matthew, Mark and Luke, and attempting to try and find some kind of solution to why they're so similar and yet so different. Now, in the previous episode in particular, I explored the theory of Mark and priority, which I'm personally strongly persuaded by, and that's the theory that Mark acted as a source for Matthew and Luke. But the thing about Mark and priority is that it only takes us so far, and there's a huge question which uh, has to be explored once one's established Mark and priority, and that is, how do you explain that 200 or 250 or so verses of material that's in Matthew and Luke that isn't in Mark's Gospel? Because if Matthew and Luke got all their triple tradition material, all the material they share with Mark, from Mark, which is what the Mark and Priority theory rightly holds, then they must have got this other material, this double tradition material, from somewhere else. And where? Well, the obvious answer to this, if Matthew and Luke are writing independently of one another, is that they got it from Q. Okay, so, so what, what is this document, Q? What's it all about? Well, Q stands for the German word Kvelle, which just means source. So Q is something which is a source for Matthew and Luke. And it arises quite naturally from the observation that Matthew and Luke, if they're using Mark independently of one another, have to have been using another document to have got all of this double tradition material where they agree so closely. And let's just remember that in this double tradition material, in the material that Matthew and Luke share with one another, that that stuff that's not in Mark, they really are very, very close sometimes. Sometimes you have near 100% verbatim agreement in this material. And so it looks like it's some kind of literary source that lies at the heart of Matthew and Luke in their construction of their Gospels alongside Mark. And so the two-source theory, which is still the dominant way of looking at the Gospels, the two-source theory is something that sees two major sources behind Matthew and Luke. One of them is Mark, which we have, and one of them is Q, which we don't have. Now, one of the questions that I get asked a lot by undergraduates when I teach this synoptic problem is they say, well, where's the actual physical evidence for this gospel or this source called Q? What's the actual physical manuscript evidence? And there I have to point out that there actually isn't any archaeological literary evidence for this in the sense that you can't actually show any kind of textual witness to this, that there's no document from antiquity that we know of that resembles this. What this is, is a literary hypothesis. So in other words, it's a piece of literary archaeology, if you like, where what scholars do is they dig down into the text of Matthew and Luke and excavate Q. They, they find Q in the text of Matthew and Luke. So perhaps at this point you're saying, well, how can they be so sure that there is this document there? given that we don't have any kind of manuscript witness to it. And here, 
the arguments for Q are essentially arguments for the independence of Matthew and Luke. Because if Matthew and Luke, as I've already kind of mentioned, if Matthew and Luke are dependent on Mark, but independent of one another, then they really have to have known an external kind of source like Q. Now, so how do we know that Matthew and Luke are independent of one another? Well, that's where the real case for Q kicks in. And I'd like to go through one or two of the key arguments in that case for Q so that we can see why it is that scholars think that Q existed rather than that Luke directly knew Matthew's gospel. Well, there are several important arguments in the case for Q, in, in the case against Luke's use of Matthew. And the first of these is that Luke, if he had known Matthew's gospel, really wouldn't have destroyed Matthew's fantastic order. Think of things like the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7 is one of the finest pieces of religious writing of all time. People across history have appreciated the Sermon on the Mount. You don't even have to be a Christian to appreciate the Sermon on the Mount and its spiritual or ethical power. Gandhi, for example, was a huge fan of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if Luke knew Matthew, then what he's done is he's taken the Sermon on the Mount and he's dismantled it. He's produced his own shorter version in Luke chapter 6 and he's distributed lots of the sayings material into later context in his Gospel. Reginald Fuller said that for Luke to have done this, it's like someone who is unscrambling the egg with a vengeance. And this is thought to be highly implausible, and therefore Luke can't have used Matthew's gospel. And so what happened is, is that both Matthew and Luke must have used Q, this hypothetical source. Luke probably represents it a little better there because he's copying his sermon on the plane in Luke chapter 6 out of Q, and Matthew's expanding it in his Sermon on the Mount, and so on for other material that's in Matthew's sayings material and in Luke's sayings material in their Gospels. And it is perhaps worth underlining at this point that a lot of the Q material, the double tradition material, is sayings material. It's not exclusively sayings material. There's, quite, there's a few uh, little narratives. You've got centurions boy in there, you've got the temptations of Jesus, you've got messengers from John the Baptist. So there are a few stories that aren't sayings material, but the majority of them are, and that's why Q gets this name, the sayings gospel or the sayings source. But the argument from order isn't the only one, of course. There are other important arguments. A second one is that Luke seems to lack a lot of Matthew's redactions of Mark. Or, to put it another way, when in Luke's Gospel you get his versions of Mark and material, when, when Luke is copying out of Mark, it's strange, Q theorists say, that he doesn't seem to have any knowledge of the Matthean expansions of those same stories. I mean, if you think about it, what we're saying here is that if Luke had known both Mark and Matthew, wouldn't you expect to see lots of Matthew's additions to Mark cropping up in Luke? And the Q theorists say, since that doesn't happen, it must be that Luke doesn't actually know Matthew. He must know Mark and Q. He must know Matthew's source and not Matthew himself. And so that's an important second argument. There's a third one which is actually quite similar, and that looks at Luke's lack of M material or lack of special Matthew. I know that it does sound a bit comedic when, if you're not familiar with this material, 
to have uh, letters like Q and M. And if you're anything like me and were brought up with the James Bond films, you can't even hear the letters Q and M without thinking of the characters in the Bond films. But just try and put those out of your head for a moment and think instead synoptically. And the point here is that Luke doesn't have in his gospel any of the M material, the special Mathean material. And lots of Q theorists will say, well, if Luke had known Matthew, surely we'd have some of that M material in his gospel. A good example of the kind of material that we might have expected Luke to have would be the story of the Magi in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Because after all, doesn't Luke love Gentiles? Isn't Luke the Gospel for the Gentiles? And there, at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 2, are these Gentiles who come and worship Jesus. So, it seems that Luke not having stories like that would suggest that Luke couldn't have known Matthew's Gospel. So that's a third argument in favour of the Q hypothesis rather than the idea of Luke's direct knowledge of Matthew. There's also a fourth key argument for the existence of Q, and this one is what people call alternating primitivity. And this one takes a little bit more uh, grasping, and, and what this is about is that sometimes Matthew and sometimes Luke appear to have the more primitive form of a given saying. So, in other words, sometimes when you're looking at Luke's Gospel, you think, yeah, that looks a bit more primitive, a bit older than the version that we've got in Matthew. And the reason, of course, that that would argue for Q is that if Luke is using Matthew's Gospel, wouldn't you usually expect Luke to be secondary to Matthew? Let me just illustrate the point. The first beatitude is... Blessed are the poor in spirit in Matthew's Gospel. Whereas in Luke's Gospel, it's blessed are the poor. And so all Q scholars, and I don't think it's any exaggeration to say all Q scholars, this is a textbook example. All Q scholars say, blessed are the poor must have been the original Q beatitude, the one that Luke has. And what Matthew has done is in a secondary way, he has spiritualized it. He's added that little bit in spirit. The original Jesus stroke Q beatitude is one that blesses poor people. But Matthew just tries to take it up a notch and spiritualize it by adding that term in spirit. So there what you have is Luke with the primitive beatitude from Q and Matthew with the secondary version of the same thing. And there are other famous examples of the same thing, like the Lord's Prayer, for example. The famous memorable version of the Lord's Prayer is the Matthew version, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, it begins. Whereas the Lucan version just has Father at the beginning. And Q theorists will say that was the original, Father was the original, because the Mathean first line, Our Father who art in heaven, has got a kind of Mathean embellished ring to it. He often adds things like, who is in heaven, to, to that kind of statement. So they say, well, Luke looks primitive, and Matthew looks secondary there. And so Luke has the Q version of the, of the Beatitude. And so they repeat examples like this to show that because of alternating primitivity, Q must be the source of Matthew and Luke. It's not that Matthew is the direct source for Luke. Now that, in a nutshell, are the major arguments for Q as they're represented in the literature. You'll get one or two other arguments coming up as well, but versions of those four arguments tend to be the really important ones in the literature. And here's the thing. I don't believe any of them, but 
I've decided that it would be the right thing to do to spend one episode of the NT pod laying out the case for Q in as fair a way as I can so that next time I can tell you why I think that Q doesn't exist and why I think that actually Luke used Matthew. But thanks very much for listening to this latest episode of the NT Pod. It's always good to have your company. There is an extended episode available on the whole issue of Q, the third extended episode in this little series, and you can find that on the feeds at podacre.blogspot.com, along with all the other episodes of the NT Pod, or you can just Google for the NT Pod, or you can find me on Duke University's iTunes U. I'll see you again soon, and thanks again for listening.